everyone. This is the Never Heard of It podcast. This is the show where we talk about the movies that have fallen right on through our cracks. I'm Sean Harwell. I've got the guest crack of the month. Brian Crane, say hello. How are you? Hello. Uh, how, how are you and, and, and everyone in, in listener town? I'm good. I can't speak for listener. You know what? I, I can't speak for listener town. They're good too. They better damn well be because they're listening to this, right? Uh, yeah, they're all in a good mood. I mean, come on. They're getting, yeah. they're getting into a tee up. How's your cold now that it's the middle of June? It's it's been um, going a while now. Um, but staying, <laughs> really? staying really kind of light, but just just continuing on. Um, wow! But, but not, not not so much that it's going to derail me or keep me from doing things I want to do, but just kind of just yeah. be in the background, background noise. Kind yeah. Of, kind of and thing. you went to the to the doctor right on like uh, June twelfth or something. Yeah, something like that. And uh, yeah. and he was just like, "Welcome to the future." <laughs> No, I was just kidding. Uh, yeah, he, he just said, you know, everything looks good. Just, you know, keep keep going with it, you know. And I was like, okay. okay. Yeah, obviously we're recording this <laughs> well before June 12th. I'm going to feel real bad if you get really sick between now and then. Oh, so my gosh. Put, yeah, that's Put true. that out in the universe so that karma doesn't bite me in the butt. I know. I know we did do that to ourselves, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Anyway, it's nice to have you back. Thanks again for filling in for Craig, who has taken the month off to get some work done, which I assume is just around the bed and around the, you know, the yard and whatever he's doing that's lazy. Oh, completely. Completely. Yeah. You know, he'll be listening to this and, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll have feedback. I can just imagine him getting kind of, kind of jealous, you know, just like he's casting with my guy and yeah and there's just it's wrong that should be me and i think he'll he'll come back feeling a little more attached to to you and to this podcast and to the listeners i think so it's a learning i'm not sure how i feel about that yeah <laughs> <laughs> huh. yeah i mean so you know food for thought so just just be ready it for is. a really you know affectionate craig you know i think Oof. he's yeah okay well i got one more episode to prepare myself at least <laughs> Well, we'll see what happens. Anyway, uh, uh, I hope people enjoyed our discussion on Michael Mann's The Keep from 1983, which you picked out. And Mm -hmm. uh, thanks again for doing so. We're talking about a completely different movie, of course, today. Uh, But first, let me point people to neverheardpodcast.com. If you haven't been there already, you should check it out. You know, we put up posts with some posters and trailers for the movies that we talk about. You can find all the episodes if you want to listen to them. You can find email if you want to send us a suggestion and, of course, all those social links. So come say hello. We are on almost every platform you could want to listen to a podcast on. So subscribe where you can. Leave a review where you can. It's also nice now, too, Craig, uh, Crane. I almost called you Craig. That's, See, this is, I you know. know. You got me thinking about him I know. already. I, like, I know. I'm really... I'm <laughs> trying so hard to block him. Yeah, you can't. He's coming back, you know. If you search for this podcast on Google... Like you can actually listen to the episode right, right, kind of like right in there. You'll find like a little play button. If oh you no, kidding! Down just yeah, right there. So wow, that's cool. Just like to once again say, take that other podcast that's called Never Heard of a Podcast uh, after we had already named it. Anyway, uh, yeah, you won't find them. So yeah, gotta take them down somehow. We're gonna talk about a movie from 2008 called Franklin. Mm. That's Franklin with a Y. Frankly, in if uh, <laughs> if you want to get real technical. Oh yeah, yeah, frankly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tonight, I'm gonna kill a man. One soul was about to be avenged. How old was 
the little girl you failed to save. She'd be 16 now. The girl, where is she? So what happens now? Let me give you a logline real quick, Brian. Sure. From IMDb, they tell us that this is a portrait of the broken lives of four people, a vigilante detective, a worried parent, an awkward man looking for love, and a suicidal artist, as they all struggle to cope in their religiously dystopian city. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes dystopian cities have no religious element. Sometimes they, they have like government imposing. Yeah. We'll get into that next time. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I haven't even seen it. I chose this one. Yeah, where did where where did you think of this? I don't, you know, I don't know. I just remember seeing the poster somewhere. I think maybe, perhaps, just looking through Amazon Prime or something. Oh, okay. And so you see the poster art, and yeah, there's a masked vigilante who maybe I should save this, for, but it kind, you know, it looks a little bit like Rorschach from from Watchmen. It does, and a little bit like Jack Skellington from Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> And there's a very, you know, somewhat prominent name still behind that mask, which you're going to tell us about here in a second. Yes. But uh, I was like, what? What is this? What? What is this? Yeah. And it definitely hits that sweet spot for me, of being a movie that, while the director was unfamiliar to me, you got these these very familiar names and faces, and and this is you know relatively recent movie, especially for what we do on this show. Yeah. So I think it's it's fun to see those kind of films and never heard anybody talk about this movie no. whatsoever. No, no, no. So uh, maybe we'll be the first, and that's yeah. always fun. Absolutely. But I think that's that's as good of a setup as any to, for you to tell us who the heck is in this yeah. thing and who made it. All right, who who made it and and who was in it? Actually, um, the uh, the cast is a little more uh, noteworthy than 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 the crew. I, I think uh, the the folks. Yeah. You know, as as what happened, uh, th- this is um, a movie that was written and directed by a young man named Gerald McMorrow. He is 49 years old or thereabouts today. So he was about 37, 38 during the production of this. So, so yeah, um, youngin. Yeah, he had done some short films leading up to this. And since this movie, he's done other short films. Hmm. So this this was kind of his shot. The, 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 you get the sense that just from watching the trailer, and then obviously we'll watch the, uh, the, the movie next week or whatnot. This was his vision, and I, he must have gotten it out there. Yeah. But not much more beyond that. There's, there's, there's really nothing else to point to other than, than kind of some shorts that all seem to have to do uh, kind of like with the space theme stuff. You know, the second gig is always the hardest to get. I, I believe it. And, and Jer- uh, Jeremy Thomas was the producer on this. And actually, he'd, he'd done, he has done quite a number of things. Uh, a Dangerous Method in 2011. Oh, yeah. Cronenberg. Yeah, Cronenberg with uh, Kira Knightley and uh, Viggo Mortensen. Mm-hmm. Fast Food Nation in 2006 with uh, Greg Kinnear. Uh, Sexy Beast, one of my uh, favorite movies from 2000. Oh, yes. Ben Kingsley, so good in that. Stealing Beauty, the uh, Bertolucci movie in 96 with uh, Liv, uh, Liv Tyler. Naked Lunch in 91. Was that also Cronenberg? It was, yeah. I was going to say, so maybe he's a working relationship there. Yeah, it sounds like. Um, Sheltering Sky in 90 with uh, John Malkovich and Deborah Winger, I believe. Yeah. And uh, his first big movie was the Academy Award winning Last Emperor. Also, wow. also okay. Bertolucci, 87. Yeah. Looks like he's he kind of does a, a good bit with, um, or did a good bit with uh, Bertolucci. Uh, but uh, I guess Bertolucci did pass uh, some, some years ago, actually. Cinematography was shocking for me. <laughs> okay. They had none. It's a guy named Ben Davis. And he, I would say he's probably one of the more accomplished cinematographers you've never, ever heard of. I don't know that name. Yeah. Yeah. He did Dumbo in 19, uh, this year. Captain Marvel okay. this year. 
Three Billboards, Jeez, Louise. Doctor Strange, Age of Ultron, Guardians of the Galaxy, and then before that, his bigger biggest movies, before he got into the Marvel train, was uh, Seven Psychopaths, Kick-Ass, yeah. this movie, Franklin, in 08, and then just before this, he had done uh, Hannibal Rising in 2007. Really? Yeah. Wow. So I, I found that just, just odd, kind of a weird dipping out of big films to kind of come do a, a small independent vision kind of really ambitious movie it's very interesting well maybe it'll look good then <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it'll, it'll look amazing i'd imagine yeah the music was done by um looks like i wrote a joe joby talbot i i <laughs> i think that's a misprint it could be toby anyway funny thing he, he did uh did the movie sing uh in 2016 which my daughter is currently obsessed with okay. um he did the score for that his only other really kind of big title was um Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which uh, you and I were not able to get in to see a test screening of one day back in back in the day. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I still haven't seen that movie, so I guess that, that yeah. must have left a sour. I don't even remember that, but uh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. left a sour taste in my mouth. I must have. Uh, edited by uh, Peter Christellis. He had uh, done a lot of TV, um, most uh, notable to me. Uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell um, adaptation cool. from BBC in uh, 2015. Mighty Heart which was about Daniel Pearl's killing in Pakistan. Yeah. It started Angelina Jolie. He edited that. I've seen that, actually. Oh, yeah. How is that, actually? <laughs> it's, it's you know, it's it, the subject matter is pretty bleak. Yeah. But I thought it was good, actually. I, oh, okay. I, and then before that, uh, Tristam Ch- uh, Shandy, an uh, 05, which I remember mm-hmm. getting uh, some attention back then. The production designer was Lawrence Dorman. They uh, actually are doing a... I don't know why I called Lawrence they. Um, <laughs> well, you know, it's the royal we. <laughs> Lawrence uh, is is actually currently a production designer on a show that's getting a lot of attention, Killing Eve. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which, which I have not seen, but I have heard quite a bit about. Before that, um, me and Orson Welles, and, and, uh, also in 2008, which was a Richard Linklater, um, Linklater. movie, mm-hmm. Zach Efron vehicle, but not much beyond that. So that's that's the crew. Cool. Moving over, of course, to the cast, uh, which has uh, s- some slightly better known folks. Uh, Ava Green plays Amelia and also Sally, so that maybe that gives us a hint as to to what sort of Ooh. what sort of things we'll be seeing in this movie. But she does crazy well, so perhaps it's typecast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Another Bertolucci um, sort of uh, moment is that she was in Dreamers. That was her first big movie back in 2003. First thing I saw her in, yeah. Yeah, and and you know there was it was very you know very Bertolucci and very sexual and all that, and and she was certainly game for whatever uh, he had in mind. Kingdom of Heaven in 05. Casino Royale in 06, which was kind of like her her big Bond girl yeah. kind of moment, and then after that was Golden Compass uh, in 07. Golden Compass did not do well. Nope. So then she did this movie, and then she doesn't do any big movies again until Tim Burton's Dark Shadows in 2012. I was saying, and then she's in every Tim Burton movie ever. Right? Yeah, I think she's she's in Dumbo now, um, and and uh, but her her other stuff was kind of like TV, and most notably for me, anyways, uh, Penny Dreadful, which I thought she was very good in from 2014 to 2016. Uh, was she in that Miss Peregrine's Peculiar Home for blah blah blah? Yes, yeah, okay. she was. Yeah. She was in that. That's true. Yeah, so she you know she kind of keeps popping up here and there. Yeah. I don't expect we'll see her go away just because I think she's too good an actress. You know, there'll always be a need for an Ava Green character type. Agreed. But I wonder if she'll get her like Oscar movie. Like if that'll mm-hmm. happen at some point, like she'll move into that. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a good territory. question. 
because it is is weird to go from Bertolucci to Burton uh, yeah. at this you know, stage of Tim Burton's career. But anyway, that's true. I guess I guess if if Tim Burton can finally get it together and get that Oscar winning movie, like the one that he did with Amy Adams about yeah. the painter, I, I feel like that that, that was that was a good attempt. And if he can if he can get whatever alchemy that is right and have her in it, I think that yeah, that could that could happen. The other uh, big star in this movie was. Uh, uh, Ryan Philippe, or is it Philippe? I I I, I don't know, but um, it's Philippe. Okay, I, I, that's how I prefer. Or Philippe. 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 Philippe is the one I'd heard, but I I like yeah. Philippe. I think it's Philippe actually. Yeah. Okay, Philippe. Okay, yeah. I I actually have it uh, spelled <laughs> phonetically next to his name here on this thing, so I have both. It's Philippe or oh, Philippe. Okay. So. Uh, he plays priest, which is spelled P R E E S T. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but he also plays David Esser. Interesting. Ah. Ryan got his start on uh, One Life to Live in uh, 1992, did he really? playing a young man named Billy Douglas. Yes, he did. Yeah. Shortly thereafter, he had a, a, a small role in Crimson Tide in 95. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. White Squall, 96. I mean, he just kind of blew up for a while there in the mid-90s. Yeah. Uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer, 97. Cruel Intentions, 99. And then he did uh, Way of the Gun, which I think was Christopher McQuarrie's one of his like, first or second movie as mm-hmm. a director. Uh, then Crash in 04. Franklin 08, comedy classic MacGruber in 2010. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And then this year, he plays Julius Caesar in the new Netflix show, uh, Historical Roasts, uh, sort of run by Jeff Ross. So um, Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I'm a little um, concerned about that one. So we'll, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see yeah. how that goes. I, I hope he does okay. Anyway, so, so those are your two stars. The other folks in this are, are, are not... As notable, I already take that back. I'll, I'll get to the next guy, Sam Riley. Yes, Sam, I know. Yeah. So Sam Riley plays Milo, or maybe it's Milo. I won't know until we see the movie. Um, but uh, he's been in a bunch of British stuff with a couple of American films uh, sort of dropped in there. One one American studio movie was Maleficent, which he was in in 2014. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And apparently there's a sequel coming in, and he's going to be in yep. that one too. So good for him. On the Road, uh, the Jack Kerouac novel adaptation from 2012, yeah, he was in that as well. Everything else is kind of very uh, local to uh, sort of British TV, I think. The movie Control was the first thing I saw him in, and he played the lead singer of a band called Joy Division. This guy, Ian Curtis. And, oh, okay, uh, yeah. It's a black and white movie. I can't remember the director's name, but that that kind of made a splash. He's really good in that. And, oh, great. Uh, it's a really introverted role. I don't know. I'm curious to see, like, yeah, what, what else he can do. I don't know that I've seen much of anything else that he's been in. So. Oh, yeah. So this should be pretty interesting for you having seen seen that early role. Yeah, I would say he's definitely the one I'll be watching the most. Okay, very cool. I, I said that um, Ava Green and Ryan Philippe were the only stars, but I, I have to walk that back because Bernard Hill is in this movie as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played Peter Esser. Um, people may know Bernard, um, or Bernie as I call him, from, <laughs> from Titanic. He was the captain in Titanic. He was also Theoden. Theoden King from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you're a Bernie bro. I forgot. Yeah, yeah I'm a total Bernie bro. <laughs> he was also in uh, Valkyrie, which was the, uh, I think, fairly excellent um, Tom Cruise, uh, Christopher I enjoyed Ford. that movie, yeah. Yeah, uh, about uh, the assassination attempt on Hitler. And he was also in um, probably one of the better um, bits of TV that's come on in the last 10 years, uh, Wolf Hall in 2015. And I he had a fairly memorable role in that as well. Still got to see that one, yeah. Yeah, that's so good. And then uh, finally, uh, James Faulkner, uh, who um, is sort of famous to watchers of Downton Abbey and Game of Thrones. On Downton Abbey, he played uh, Lord Cinderby. He was a 
He was a uh, a real jerk until the end when he sort of had um, kind of a soft spot. And Aww. I was like, oh, that's nice. And, and then he played on Game of Thrones someone who did not have any kind of soft spot, uh, Randall <laughs> Randall Tarley, uh, who was, who was oh, okay. the, lovable, yeah, the lovable Sam Tarley's dad. Yes. Who uh, did not appreciate the gem that he had in his, his son. And then beyond that, uh, a lot of TV in there, um, and also some other kind of studio movies like uh, Bridget Jones' Diary, you know, one and two, uh-huh. and that sort of thing. So, cool. Um, those are your top line um, uh, cast, and also your filmmakers. Awesome! It sounds like an interesting cast, if nothing else. Yeah, absolutely. I'm interested to see these people. Yeah, it's curious too. Like, especially like right at 2008, those are actors that are clearly enough to get the movie made, and yet maybe not big enough to really get it known. I guess. Yeah, it is. That is interesting. So we'll see. We'll see. But anyway, I didn't find a ton about the you know making of this movie or anything like that. Although, mm-hmm. interestingly, this cast could have been completely different because Ewan McGregor and Paul Bettany. And John Hurt were all scheduled to be in this thing and had attached themselves. I know there's at least a press release for Ewan McGregor's attachment as I think the Ryan Phillippe role. I'm not positive, although maybe he's maybe Paul Bettany was going to do that. I don't know. Yeah, sounds anyway, like that's interesting. McGregor ruined it for everybody <laughs> <laughs> when he broke his leg in a motorcycle accident during the second season of the show he did with Charlie Borman who uh-huh. we've talked about in Emerald Forest, who was the son of John Borman, uh, in the show called Long Way Round, which was, I saw the first thing that was great. Like, they literally rode a motorcycle all the way around the planet, basically. And oh, wow. So anyway, he broke his leg. He had a dropout. They had to recast quite a bit of it, although Eva Green was there from the beginning and made it all the way through, obviously. Oh, good for her. Loyalty. Loyalty. It's nice. Ryan Phillippe was the last one to be cast, which sounds like, I mean, he's the guy behind the mask, at least in the cover. You know, that's a pretty crucial thing. You don't want hanging to the last. Yeah, really. Director McMorrow said it was a, quote, now or never situation. And after their first meeting, he said, quote, you have preconceptions about people you expect. Uh, He's talking about Ryan Phillippe, you know, Mm -hmm. the bleach blonde Californian kid. And what you get was an incredibly erudite, brought up on the wrong side of the tracks, Philadelphia actor. When I met him, we did not stop talking all afternoon. That's great. They hit it off. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they're they're rolling. Uh, The visual inspiration for this fictional dystopian city was said to have come from religious iconography that he saw in Mexico City shopping malls, which sounds (laughs) interesting to me. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious to see, like, uh, we'll have to look for that and kind of see what they do with any sort of, like, you know, religious murals or anything like that, perhaps. Yeah, that could be cool. It said that the mask that Philippi wears was primarily influenced by the mask in the uh, Claude Rains film of The Invisible Man, the H.G. Wells story. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, it was noted that it definitely bears a resemblance to the character of Rorschach and that the character does somewhat as well. So, oh, interesting. All you Watchmen nerds out there, you Alan Moore <laughs> uh, freaks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe this is something we're checking out here. They started shooting September 24, 2007. They shot in and around London and they were done by December of that year. They shot at, I think, uh, a somewhat well-known bar called the East End Bar, hmm. also the Greenwich Naval College, where they did many of the CGI sequences. Okay. I thought this was kind of weird because it said that, you know, they were they wrapped production in December, but they didn't enter post-production until April. 
oh. which does that doesn't make any sense whatsoever to me. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what that's about. Maybe somebody's got their dates wrong. Yeah, maybe the footage was just held in some kind of lockbox and they couldn't find the key or something. Maybe that's yeah. Maybe it was. it was held in a keep. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was. The movie premiered at the London Film Festival, and that was October sixteenth, two thousand eight. It did several festivals. I think it played Toronto as well. Mm-hmm. Didn't show up in the United States until November November first, two thousand nine. Oh wow! So that's a solid year plus, and that was only. At the Fangoria Trinity of Terrors Festival. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Which was Halloween weekend in Las Vegas. Uh, yeah. They had Roger Corman, George Romero, John Waters were all there speaking. Yeah. Slipknot played. It was at the Palms. I think they had a good time. Sounds nice. Yeah, Franklin was already out on DVD in the UK, at least. So, uh-huh. as best I can tell, this movie got no theatrical release in the United States whatsoever. Mm. which is kind of surprising and kind of not, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got some stars in it, but, you know, a lot of movies that kind of essentially go straight to DVD, you know, they, yeah. they do have some some name name guys in it. So that's uh, that's kind of somewhat standard. You know, I'm going to get to some of those movies that were in theaters that year, and, and I think that maybe even gives a bigger indication. But in Brazil, you'll be happy to hear that this was known as O Justicero Mascarado, Mm. which Google Translate translates to the masked Punisher. Oh, weird. I was sort of like, like the, the mask of justice, but the... yeah, or Avenger or something like that. But yeah, yeah the, the masked Punisher sounds like a cool title, actually. Yeah. Well, I'll see Taglines. That. I got three of them. Uh, one is reality hasn't got a prayer. Oh, dear. I think they're playing on the religious <laughs> angle. Yeah. Number two, the path of a single bullet decides the fate of four lost souls. Mm. Last but not least, beyond reality, beyond fear, beyond imagination, Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> that, I made that last part. Up. But no, that sounds like that. You were saying that last tagline, and it's it's sparking some other like that's a tagline to something else. Yeah, beyond reality, beyond fear, beyond imagination. I don't know. You Google it, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. That's a, I'll I'll try and come up with that for next time. Box Office Mojo told me that globally this movie made one point two million dollars. Wikipedia told me that the budget was six million British pounds. Wow. Which I think is It's more like nine million US dollars or something. Yeah, I was gonna say more like twenty thousand, but um I'm not I'm bad with currency, so <laughs> <laughs> in the list of countries, number one was Italy for this movie. It did it made over seven hundred grand in Italy. So I don't know. Oh, wow. It did well there. Yeah, the, the Italians they love their Frank. <laughs> I like a Mario, I like a Luigi, and I like a Franklin. <laughs> oh, we could do that for an hour. We won't. Okay. We could, we could. Uh, now, here's a fun trivia question for you, Brian. Uh, yes. So, yeah, let's just presume that this movie was in the theaters the weekend of November 1st, 2009. Okay. Would you like to guess what was number one that weekend in the United States? Number one, 2009, November. So this is Halloween weekend. Oh, oh Halloween. Yeah. That's a good That's a good hint. Thank you. Um, Actually, it's not. Oh. Well, maybe it is, no. depending on how you look at it. Uh, <laughs> 2009. Oh, geez. I don't know. Was it, was it Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows? No, although there was a Harry Potter movie that year that was prominent. It was actually Michael Jackson's This Is It, the concert documentary. No way. Posthumous. Yes. 23 million that weekend. 
No big, kidding. Big weekend. Yeah. That is a big weekend for a concert movie. My goodness. Huge. Uh, I know you know the number one movie of 2009, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm going to have to say it. I mean, it's just so obvious, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, Should I, we put on your 3D glasses? Oh, yes. Let me see if I can find here my avatar. And oh yes. yes well it was avatar 2009 yeah that was that was yeah. uh definitely the number one movie um and has been for a while until recently just recently yeah 749 million domestic was the grand total there obviously globally it made over a billion uh number two it's transformers revenge of the fallen uh. i feel like i want to add the word sadly to the end of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh, continuing on, Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. So you're oh, okay. A little bit. I uh, was. Twi- yeah, Twilight New Moon. Up the Hangover. Huge year for the Hangover. I just wrote down Star Trek. I didn't actually write down <laughs> what the name of J.J. Abrams reboot. The first one called just Star Trek. Yeah, that one was just called Star Trek. Yes, it was. Okay, there you go. Uh, you the Blind it. Side. Alvin and the Chipmunks. The Squeakwool. <laughs> which I was hoping I would never have to say aloud in my life. Yeah, and you just did. That's <laughs> that's off your bucket list now. Yep. And Sherlock Holmes, the Downey Jr. version there, was oh, number yeah. 10. Okay. Other notable movies from 2009. You got X-Men Origins Wolverine, 2012, Ooh. that disaster flick, uh, Fast and Furious, Taken, Angels and Demons, Terminator Salvation, Cloudy with a Chance and Meatballs, Inglorious Bastards, District 9, Paranormal Activity, Watchmen, Princess and the Frog, Public Enemies, Michael Mann, hello, Julie and Julia up in the air where the wild things are, Zombieland, Coraline, I Love You Man, Bruno, Funny People, Land of the Lost, Precious, The Lovely Bones, Crazy Heart, Observe and Report, I have to mention, Fantastic Mr. Fox, I'm going to mention, I'm going to skip one because I'm going to talk Oscars in a second, but also yeah. uh, Ponyo, A Serious Man, A Single Man, The Road, Bright Star, Sin Nombre, The Girlfriend Experience, uh, the documentary about Anvil, Antichrist, Big Fan, World's Greatest Dead, Bronson, and literally about three more pages of movies from 2009 on Box Office Mojo. There's like no over kidding. Five, yeah, I mean, we don't do a ton of movies from the past 10 years. And just to see box office receipts for over 500 movies was <laughs> mind-numbing. Wow. Compared to, yeah, like 1983, there was only like 120 that they have tallied up. So, so these like this, there's so many pages of, of results. Is it just like uh, movies that went to, they're just like small, they have a super small theatrical release? Or? I think, yeah. And like, yeah, I guess. I, I mean, mean there were things that were like documentaries that I'm like, oh, I guess they played like a screen for a weekend, you know? Uh, okay. Okay. But, and then re- there were reissues on there and, and things like that. I mean, the Coppola movie Tetro was on there, which like nobody saw that movie, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I didn't go too far beyond what I I talked about here because I was like, there's just no way there's going to be anything that, you know, had any sort of real cultural cachet. But I I feel like there were a lot of movies that are not going to stand the test of time necessarily. Definitely not. Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, thinking way back to when we did the uh, the tee up for uh, the keep, and thinking of of the, the 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 movies that had come out in 1983, and it's just like it felt like every single one of them was something that still gets talked about. Like, you know, you you have that yeah. as, a, as a shorthand, like, oh, you're talking about movies from the 80s, of course, you know, you talk about this one, and like listening to the top movies from 2008. And it's just like, man, like Fast and the Furious. I mean, that's only interesting. You know, there's no cinematic, you know, import to that one. It's really just like, oh, 
a lot of people went to go see this movie and it's sort of funny how bad they are and people still like to go see them, et cetera. But, but none, none of these are, are like you say, you're going to seem set up to, to, to stand the test of time. No. And there's a lot of them I think that are only of interest if you're watching the complete series, you know, which is maybe like, maybe just sort of like looking at, okay, like, yeah, movies are becoming a bit more like TV where mm, mm-hmm. you're investing in multiple seasons. You know, it's like, Who's going to be, oh, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Like, that is my jam, you know? Like, well, no, <laughs> right. it's like, but yeah, if you're going to watch all the Transformers movies, you're going to watch that one. Yeah, sure. That's the number two movie of the year behind this, you know, juggernaut of Avatar, which has got, what, like three or four more movies coming down the pipeline too, so. Exactly. I don't know, an interesting one. So I did not yeah. say the name of the movie that actually won Best Picture that year, because you'll remember that Avatar did not take home that particular Oscar, but do you remember which one did? Uh, this was in uh, 2008. Who won Best Picture in 2008? It was not Avatar. It was, in fact, if I had to guess. Oh, I would say Million Dollar Baby. I'll guess that. You would be wrong. It was The Hurt Locker, remember? Mm-hmm. Yes, because Catherine Bigelow won Best Director, and uh, James Cameron made some comment about that because they used to be married. Yeah, that's right. That's right, Hurt Locker. Yeah, Hurt Locker also picked up Best Original Screenplay for Mark Bull. Best actor went to Jeff Bridges for Crazy Heart. Sandra Bullock picked up the actress nod for Blindside, which I still haven't seen. Oh. Christoph Waltz won for Inglorious Bastards. Rightfully so, I thought. And uh, Monique won Best Supporting Actress for Precious. How was that? How was that only like 11 years ago? That feels like it was I just know. like three or four years ago at most. Yeah. That's crazy. Up won the Best Animated Film of the Year, and a movie called The Secret in Their Eyes won Best Foreign Language, which I have not heard a damn thing about. No, neither have I. Avatar won uh, Art Direction, Cinematography, and Special Effects. As you'd expect. Yeah. Uh, Franklin was not nominated for any of those particular What? Awards. What is... Wait a second. That's news. Okay. <laughs> It did come out, and it definitely picked up some reviews here and there. Uh, Dave Calhoun of uh, Time Out said it was, quote, an admirable, if not entirely coherent, debut. The main problem is that by the time this Trixie film finally plays its hand, many viewers may already have been lost at the wayside. Hmm. Derek Ellie of Variety thought that the premise was better suited to a novella which I've never watched a movie and gone, you know what, that would be a really good novella. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Here's a fun name, Fionnula, Fionnuala, Fionnuala. Oh. Yeah, she's good. Halligan of Screen International yeah, yeah, said, her. quote, <laughs> <laughs> it's unusual in the current filmmaking climate to see an independent director making such an ambitious debut as Gerald McMorrow's Franklin. He aims high, visually and conceptually, but a more experienced director would have trouble finding the right tone to pull this intricate plot off. Hmm. Added, McMorrow has pulled off a very handsome look on a limited budget. Yeah, that's, that is probably one of the big dilemmas is that uh, for your first film, you get to make this thing, but they're not going to throw all the money you maybe need mm-hmm. to really make something like what this crazy movie sounds like. Right. But hey, on IMDb, they've got like 6.2 average uh, out of 10 from users and like over 12,000 user reviews. So we'll see. You know? Yeah, maybe there's something to it. That's not in the toilet. Yeah. Brian Franklin is available to stream on Amazon Prime and Tubi TV, which Tubi TV is free with ads and usually has a very decent presentation ads accepted. But nonetheless, you can watch it for free. And yeah. uh, it's available to rent and purchase from all the usual digital outlets. 
I'm curious about that. I mean, I got to say, like, I'm really curious. I'm thinking of the movie Dark City, which I did yeah. not love, the Alex Proyas film. Yeah. I, I actually just Googled that um, right before we started this because oh, I interesting. Thinking, what, yeah. what year did this one come out? Because seeing the trailer, I'm just like, it, there are clear sort of parallels in a way. I'm curious to see like where it falls on that scale. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. Uh, Roger Ebert notoriously loved that movie, did a commentary for the DVD and everything. Oh, wow. Um, so maybe I need to revisit Dark City. But I'm always intrigued by these sort of dystopian things, especially like from a first-time filmmaker. So we'll see what we get. Yeah, I'm excited to check it out. Yeah, you're very curious about Ryan Phillippe and his masked Punisher. So Yes, I, I hope he has a real gravelly voice and has a... <laughs> Has a little uh, smiley face button at some point. I hope that yeah. And maybe a skull on his shirt. Yeah. Like big machine gun. <laughs> They'll just combine those two characters of Rorschach and the Punisher. That would be amazing. Comic was... nerd, would their head would explode. Yes. Brian, any last words for this tee-up? Uh, no, I'm just excited to, to dig into Franklin, get my hands all up in there, see what's going on. <laughs> excited. Okay. That sounded gross, and I'm going to leave it at that. We'll talk next time. Bye. Bye.